Hello, and welcome to episode number 17 of Boutique Talk. My name is Jake Boston, otherwise known as Steelbook Obsessed on all your major social media platforms. And if you want to listen to all things physical media related, then you've come to the right place. Every week, I have on a new guest to talk about their physical media journey. And tonight, I am joined with a journeyman in the physical media industry with more than 25 years under his belt. Some of the companies that he has worked for are MGM, Sony Pictures, Anchor Bay, and Kino Lorber. Currently, he is the Director of Acquisitions and Sales at MVD. It is my pleasure to introduce Eric D. Wilkinson. Eric, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. You are the first person I've actually had like in the industry to have on this podcast. Really? So wow. I'm going to pick your brain left and right. I hope you're okay with that. I am okay. I, I, I think it's funny. I started taking the word sales. When I started MVD, I was involved you know, heavily in sales and acquisitions. Uh, but, you know, once MVD got a little taste of my, uh, uh, it wasn't, wasn't just the acquisitions I was doing, not just picking up the movies, but, you know, wanting to make cool special editions. Mm -hmm. uh, two things happened. The sales became a little less and less because my, my focus shifted a little more towards the acquisitions and the producing of the releases. Sure. And all the accounts they gave me went out of business. So family video, uh, gone, you know, <laughs> Netflix, gone. I'm trying to think, you know, Best, best Buy. buy Best Buy gone. I'm like, you know, I'm uh, uh, Redbox still there, but doesn't buy any of our stuff anyway. So, right, it, it's shrinking more and more. Redboxes. What What are your two What are your two cents on Best Buy kind of getting out of the physical media game? I mean, it, it, it's not that they were great, but it was, you know, I just I probably feel the same way that everyone else feels. Like it was nice knowing that they were there when I wanted to go in there. So. If my son was at his guitar lesson and I had 45 minutes to kill, I'd go over to Best Buy and cruise the aisles and, and you know, every once in a while, I'd pick up this or I'd pick up that. And, uh, you know, I miss that. And, you know, you you are steelbook obsessed. I really liked um, the steelbooks and stuff that they did. I'm not crazy. I, I, I wasn't, I'm not a crazy steelbook collector, but I, uh, it's fun. I say that, but uh, recently I bought like seven of them, but it's, uh, I, I don't uh, lose any sleep over not getting steelbooks. But. See, I, I'm the exact opposite. I, I, I'm hoping that Steelbooks at Walmart will still be okay. I, I have no idea. I think we'll, well Walmart's the wild tell you this, And this is the sales. This is where I guess my sales experience can probably, and this is my opinion, but probably could shine a little light on it. The difference between uh, Best Buy and Walmart is Best Buy requires less numbers of units because there are less stores. So mm -hmm. there was less of a risk to go into a Best Buy with something exclusive because an initial ship uh, to a Best Buy might be anywhere between three and 6,000 units. Sure. Walmart, on the other hand, has a lot more stores. So when we put something into Walmart, it could be anywhere from twelve to 20,000 units. Man. So there's if, if you put 15,000 units of something in a Walmart store and you only sell five, we have 10 left over. And as a collector, you know, we don't just collect this because we love the movies. It's also an investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you do something exclusive, you know, I don't like to see things go out of print. But I, it's nice to know that every once in a while, a piece in my collection becomes valuable. But when you press 20, 30, 40, 50,000 of something and you only sell 10 or 20, the next thing you know, uh, you have Walmart liquidating uh, that product and you find it elsewhere cheaper and the value of what you bought, you know, that no, no one likes to see a seal book that you paid $30 for being sold 
I, it drives me nuts. And then I see it sold for seven ninety nine or something, you know, great for the guy who waited, but mm-hmm. you're screwing the guy that, that supported you and bought that on street day. Correct. No, it, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Cause me as a collector, I like to get my stuff for as cheap as possible, honestly, just to kind of bulk I up and everything. Too. But, but there yeah. are some, you know, even with steel books, I mean, like, uh, I'm thinking too, that I had to have, um, uh, Top Gun Maverick steelbook at Target mm-hmm. because it came with a Blu-ray. It was a really I loved the look in the case of that. And uh Guardians of the Galaxy, I think one and two steelbooks. I don't know if I bought the third. I don't th- I didn't get the third one of Steelbook, but I just like the way they look. And Guardians 2 came with the 3D Blu-ray. I'm a huge fan. I'm still a huge fan of 3D. Ooh, that, okay. That, that's an avenue I kind of want to creep into as well. Your mic sounds a little muffly. It was fine when we tested before, but it's starting to go a little wonky mm-hmm. now. Um, should I should should I do this thing? Maybe if that that if it changes things, maybe a little bit. But yeah, um, we're, li- we're live, so I can't. Uh, I, I know, right? The, the last I think the last time I was live, I don't know if I've done a, a, a one of these live, but I used to be uh, my first foray into the entertainment business was uh, I was uh, I lasted maybe a year, a year and a half as a regular on Dance Party USA. Uh, good luck finding videos of it. There are some out there though. <laughs> Well, one thing I like about you, you, um, I, I follow you on social media platforms, and not only do you help make all of this physical media, but you can see behind you, you're an avid collector as well. Yeah, I got a lot. I, I have a lot. I have a huge collection. I think we're. I, I my spreadsheet says about uh, I'm close to eleven thousand, but I there's oh, wow. so much in boxes and things that I haven't like registered to, to keep track of. Uh, I'm probably at about all in, you know, DVD, Blu-ray. 4K, Laserdisc, VHS, and mm-hmm. other various formats. I'm probably at about 12,000 uh, discs strong, give or take. Yeah. If you want to try to plug in, I can kind of talk about... Um, I. You made a very sure. cool video about um, how you have every one, <laughs> at least one copy of every single physical media format that's ever been released. Yeah. I tried to do that with me too, but in that video, you introduced a couple formats that I'd never even heard of. Because I only started collecting... I mean, I was collecting off and on as just like, hey, I'm a movie lover. I want to collect my the movies Sorry. I love ever since I was like 14, 15 years old. But yeah. I I really started collecting in like the Blu-ray day. So I really had no idea about like some of like the boutique labels until like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, something like that. But I mean, um, I, I, I have laser discs. I have CEDs. You were coming out with ones that like I've, I've vaguely heard of like a Divix player, like the releases that like you you have once and then like the copy is like disappeared forever some man physical media is wonky sometimes it is uh can you can do i sound any better is this better man it sounds it's like a static feedback almost yeah i don't know i have a good uh, good signal so it doesn't this isn't helping not really no unfortunately right. not. well let me lose it how about now yeah i don't know what, i don't know what's going on I'm looking for my signal now. I don't know. It's, I got a full. I got full bars. That's very bizarre. Yeah, we we can. Yeah, we can keep on going as is. Hopefully, it's not uh, irritating to everybody out there. Um, but yeah, as far as formats, you know, uh, my, my there are formats that existed before. Uh, I the Cartravision was the first. That one I never owned or collected, but I did want to. I did want to buy and have one of them just to, for the sake of having it. But. Uh, you know, I, I, when the first format my we had in my household were, were CED discs, hmm. which is what we model the 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 our, our 4K laser vision collection uh, from. 
Right. I, I was gonna I was gonna go over that. I, I have I have some like examples to show off. Like yeah. CD, they they oh, look phenomenal. Yeah. I I don't even have a player. I just randomly found these in a Goodwill. There were like twelve. Uh, I, or- I wish you know. I see people making videos and TikToks and of of showing off these halls at Goodwill, but my Goodwills don't have anything good like that. <laughs> Mine rarely do, but when you find it, you grab it quick. Oh my gosh, I would buy bad movies. Yeah, so there's a few people that had no clue like what I was doing with that packaging uh, sure. at all. And I, I think the people that um, this Rewind collection is focused on really is the collector, somebody who has loved movies for the longest time. So I love that you put like little bits and pieces of like physical media trivia almost inside of your movies. Yeah, it's not just about the, it's more than the movie. You know what I mean? I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody today, another one of our labels today that we distribute and I, and who are kind of new to picking up older releases and, re- and releasing them. And, and my best advice to him is just remember you're, they wanted to make all new artwork for an older film. And mm-hmm. I reminded them that, you know, we sell nostalgia. We're not just selling the movie. We sell nostalgia. And people, uh, there, there are two types of people, I believe, that, you know, of collectors that buy these. There's, there's the older collector uh, that, uh, that 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 movie reminds them of their youth, of when they were growing up. Maybe they saw it in the video store or their dad bought it for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that look, it looked like that when they were a kid. And then there's a younger collector who was too young to... Uh, uh, have that experience but once that wants to own it the way it was you know what i mean and so on the outside it looks classic on the inside we try to put the best quality version and i i can honestly say i i've gotten your uh i've gotten the 4k copies of ghoulies and swamp yeah. thing these are the two that i've watched they look phenomenal like i could not believe how better. great ghoulies look i i just i just got in cutting class have not had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I cannot wait to because uh, yeah, I this got is my a... copy of that too. I feel like I made the cover too dirty on that one. Uh, I don't like, think so. Why do you say I that? I think I went overboard. Like I, sometimes when I see it printed, I'm like, yeah, I would have backed that off a little. Hindsight, I would have backed that off a little bit. Well, let's go into a little bit of that process because not a lot of people that collect physical media actually get a look behind the curtain like that. Yeah. Um, when you start with your drafts of like putting physical media artwork together how how do you how do you even start going about putting an idea in your head like that so when we have a title the first and foremost thing i do is what's the original artwork look like and i look at two different pieces of artwork i'll look at the the original if it had a theatrical release i'll look at the poster and then i i always look up the the vhs artwork and 95 percent of the time it's going to get a very if, if it's not identical it gets a variation of that um, rarely do I deviate from it. Um, I'm reminded of uh, when we put Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder out, I thought the, the VHS artwork was, I hated it. It's terrible. Hmm. Uh, but because I have respect for my fellow collectors, I, I remember when we, uh, what I did was I announced it early because I had, I, I had to show them. I put both pieces of artwork that I had up. I said, you guys decide. I let them know which one I liked. I'm like, uh, you guys decide what's going to be the A side and what's going to be the B side. And uh, everyone, you know, the majority chose the crappier artwork that was on the VHS to be the A side of it. But uh, that just r- sort of supported my thought about, you know, they want to, they want to have it as they remembered it. And while I don't love that artwork on that cover of that, that is how it was. 
I, I think there is a, a powerful drug that nostalgia kind of brings together. And if you see something that you haven't even thought about for years, maybe decades, but you see that artwork kind of pressed upon you, I guess online now, you might feel more of like a, more of like a, a an impulse buy almost, you could say, yeah. as opposed to just like seeing the title and maybe not even remembering the movie. Yeah, and sometimes, listen, there are other times where, uh, and a good example of this is like a split second. That artwork, uh, first, we didn't have, we had a decent resolution of the original artwork from that, but that artwork, you know, is just, it's not that it's bad, it just wasn't very good either. And uh, I knew that that was a title coveted by uh, a lot of people, and uh, that's one we, um, we hired the dude designs to do packaging for and and i if you you if you're familiar with his work you know uh, why i love his work and if you're familiar with it you'll see that there's a there's a nostalgia flavor to it same thing with i think jack frost one and two mm -hmm. i was never going to recreate that lenticular cover that they had done for those uh or i mean i guess i could have but i i i found some uh god i think it was in uh, mexico or portugal i found a piece of artwork online made by an artist that, uh, that did it for fun. And I fell in love with it. I call it the ice cream artwork. He did like that ice cream look. Yep. And See, I, I, I dug up his email. I emailed him. He licensed that to us so we could use it on the cover. And I mm -hmm. asked him to draw a, one for the second one. And that was one he made for us for part two. I, I love it when I'm okay with like original artwork like this. And on the inside, you have like at least something from the movie. I, I like it when the slipcover is different from the actual artwork that's on the yeah. inside. We and then my brother, um, we designed the the cut. The picture on the inside is not from any previous release. That was just you know, again, we didn't have any of the materials to sort of recreate the original artwork. And I believe it was done before on the vinegar. I, I think the vinegar syndrome did the original artwork or a variation of it anyway. So I just wanted to do something that differentiated our release. And I, and I like how those covers came out. Okay. Well, we're, we're talking a little about the Rewind Collection now. I kind of want to play. I have the intro title card from the Rewind Collection. Go I'm going to play it here, and then, then we'll talk a little bit more, because I just want to get people like into the mood of what this label is kind of all about. Sure. I don't know. There's just something about a good title card that gets you in the mood. Like, okay, I am back in the days of when I used to pop in VHS and that's how I watched everything. I, I get a smile every time that comes on. Yeah. Um, my uh, brother, David, who designed the who designs, uh, you know, works on the artwork for the rewind collection. Uh, he edited that and put that together. Uh, I sort of dictated what I kind of wanted. I had ideas and then uh, we sort of, you know, he's my brother. So we share a brain. And we, it just came together. It just came together beautifully. I, I, I knew I wanted the, the goal for the logo was I wanted it to start out like a video, videotape. And the goal was that by the time it gets to the end of it, the uh, gone is that VHS sort of tapey look and it's in crisp HD. Mm -hmm. And that's like what we're trying to sell. That, that's sort of a, a metaphor or, or, or of what we're selling and that we, uh, the Rewind Collection is a classic film, but presented in a good quality. And that, that that's how, that if you look at the logo, it sort of tells that story. 
So do you think uh, your laser vision collection, it's, it's still part of kind of sort of the rewind collection? Do yeah, you- it's just, it's a sister label to the rewind collection. We didn't give it a, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, you've just given me an idea. Maybe I should make a laser vision collection should get its own bumper. And I'm going to talk to my brother about making one for future releases. I, I'd, I'd love that because that I mean you could even go further and kind of uh, do further oops. we I want to copy the seat if you look on your there there were two openings for the um uh the CED disc the mm-hmm. RCA select division mm-hmm. and uh, you have just given me a great idea I can't obviously rip their music off but I can certainly pay homage uh to that and uh it's a good idea that that would I yes, <laughs> if I have any inkling in trying to get like a new title card, I title cards are something that I geek out. I love. Them. I always have ever since too. a kid. Yeah. Uh, if you get a chance, look up RCA Select Division Video Disc. You know, opening bumper or title card. Sure. You got to see. There's two of them. There was w- one in the early days, and then one uh, in the I guess towards the end of the format's demise where they updated it, which is kind of cool. I will definitely definitely take a look at that. But um, I. You've been working at MVD for almost 10 years now. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, how, how, have you, um, how have you seen kind of just the past 10 years of physical media through MVD? How have you seen it kind of evolve and switch and transform into what it is now? I mean, the, the evolution the, the, certainly was sort of the, the evolution. is It's become a, a, of a collector's market. I mean, when I started, you know, our bigger accounts were, you know, family video and Redbox and, and, and Netflix physical. Uh, they were bought and I, we, we put a lot of titles in the Walmart new release. I don't do nearly as many now. Mm-hmm. So I saw uh, a train. I knew the transition that was coming, uh, that's, which is I started in January 2015. And I think we launched the Rewind collection, what, by 2016 or 2017. So. I, just, I, can't, I can't remember. I think it was 27. I think 2017. Um, but I knew I, I could see the shift uh, coming in regards to, you know, it being uh, if in order for MVD to, to, to continue to, to grow and be healthy, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to see this company focus on uh, uh, the collector's market. And right. that's why, you know, on one end, uh, we're a distributor which were the distribution partner for Arrow and Blue Underground and Severin and Synapse and, and Fun City Editions and all these great labels. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I wanted MVD to have their own boutique label. Uh, it was sort of, you know, for two reasons. One, I knew it was good business. And two, uh, it's a, something I it was, a, you know, a backyard that I wanted to play in. Right. And honestly, I, I think with your uh, select division titles that you have right now, you're, you're kind of building a name in like the boutique space just because of the high quality releases that you're getting. Like I was so excited when you guys announced Swamp Thing as your number one. I've been trying to find a copy of that to watch myself and I just absolutely could not. And not only were you releasing it, I could watch it in 4K for the first time. And it was just a phenomenal release. And it was a different cut of the film, too. I know I'd never seen it before, but you had like an extended version of it. Yeah, the um, when I worked at MGM, uh, when uh, I, I worked at MGM at the time that that when it first came out on DVD, and uh, I guess when they were pulling the masters to put the DVD out, there were two cuts of the film. There was the PG uh, domestic theatrical cut, and then there was what they called the international cut, which I guess in international means that they like more nudity in their movies, uh, <laughs> but uh, they were contractually obligated. They weren't, or they they, they were. 
they weren't con contractually permitted to release that version in the U.S. without Adrian Barbo's permission. And uh, no one had ever successfully uh, gotten that permission until we got the title. So and that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you look it up, the, the articles are still online, but um, MGM shipped Blockbuster like 10,000 copies of the Swamp Thing DVD when it first came out. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says PG. And I think a mother uh, rented it for her kid uh, only to it have copious amounts of uh, nudity and such in it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then, of course, took the disc back to Blockbuster, complained, it became a news story. MGM had to recall the discs and repress them. And, mm. uh, but but that it but it started, you know, American audiences or North American audiences. Oh, there's another version of this film. And now all, all of a sudden that recall disc became a collector's item. And right. then every time the movie was released on uh, by Shot Factory or MGM, they were also, well, give us both cuts, give us both cuts. And I was. Part of what took me so long to put that out, because we had the rights for about a year, more than a year, year and a half, between uh, uh, me restoring the film and doing the restoration, you know, I had to take the time to uh, talk to uh, the lovely people on Adrian Barbeau's team who were very, uh, uh, they, they were very negotiable and they worked with us. And I, and I was very honest with them. They explained why it's important to collectors. And it's something, it's, it's not so much a salacious reason that we want to put uh, this international cut. It's just that uh, when collectors know that there are more than one version of a film, when we buy a disc, we like to have the option. We, we're not, we, most of the time I watch the theatrical cut on that anyway, because I don't think the extra scenes add anything to the story, but it's nice to know that it's there. If I did want to watch that cut and that goes for any film. And that's what collectors want. When when they buy a title, they want as much bang for their buck as they possibly can. Absolutely. Like even when um when I was working on my samurai, we had an audio problem with that thing, and I we couldn't. There was no. I could not find any good audio sources. Uh, it never came out on a laser disc. I had nothing to fix the audio. The audio was okay, but mm -hmm. it, it, I wanted to make it better. And I'm, I, uh, when all else failed, I'm like, well, I'll just go on eBay. I'll buy a, like I bought like a brand or it wasn't brand new, but it was like a mint condition VHS of my samurai. I get it home and pop it in. And turns out that the VHS is a different cut of the film than the master that we have. So I never made the audio never. And I, and I think I went on uh, our socials and I told people like, look, I did my best. The audio's good, not great. Just warning you when you buy this. But I said the good news is, is I in, in my trying to fix that audio, I found an alternate version of the film. I digitized the VHS and put it on there as a bonus feature. So it's a different cut with a different score. And you have the option to watch. You know, people like the VHS versions. I think they're fun to look at. I like. I, I felt I've re-fallen in love with VHS. So you won't ever hear me complain about it. No, I, I have about. 500 ish yeah. VHS tapes. I, there's just something about popping a tape into the player. I have the built in like VCR into the tube TV. There's just yeah, something here. about that that just hits different. A, yeah. A retro media room. Just, I realized it wasn't the quality. You know, like I, when I got rid of all my VHS years ago, you know, I'm thinking I'm never going to watch these things again. They suck. But, you know, again, it's about nostalgia. There's just mm -hmm. something. There are not every movie, but there's some movies just feel right on VHS. You know what I mean? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974, was made to be watched on VHS. If unless the second, 
that's my second choice to a beat up 16 millimeter print in a, in a crappy movie theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's more like childhood nostalgia kind of kicks in. It like, is for me. Like I goosebumps. I have a bunch of those that I pop in there. I, I'm a nineties kid, just a uh, goofy movie, blank check. Just like all of that. Yeah. All that stuff that just kind of hits good, you different. Yeah. It? When you, you pop know, it there's in. Yeah. Something. I watched um, on Saturday. I watched dumb and dumber. And I have it on Blu-ray, but I'm like, I, I, I had like, I'm gonna watch this on VHS on my crappy CRT television, and I, popped, I loved it. I popped a basketball in the other day. I have it on oh. Blu-ray, but I wanted to watch it on VHS, and I remembered the trailers that played beforehand just because I watched that sucker so often in high school. It was just, yeah, That's the best part about watching VHS. You know what I love, and I find the. Uh, the, the promo screening copies of that they would mm -hmm. send to the video stores because they have yep. all these trailers and copy commercials with copy depth programs and all I love that stuff love it it, it it's the best um you, you said you had over eleven thousand uh items like uh yeah mostly media all, yeah, ten thousand plus are all discs you know right uh, do you have a certain um format that you like collecting for more than others? I mean, no. I mean, I, I'll Just all of it. I mean, I probably if if I had to rank them, Blu-ray would be first. Um, sure. I do love the 4K. I do love the 4K format, but I don't think every movie needs to be upgraded to 4K. You know what right. I mean? Like uh, you mentioned, basketball. I love basketball. Would I rebuy that on 4K? I don't know. You know what I mean? Blu-ray is just fine for me. Yes. At the mm -hmm. same time, though, if a um. Like the other uh, last week, um, Sympathy for the Devil Steelbook mm -hmm. uh, was thirteen ninety nine on Amazon, and there's it's four K plus Blu Ray. Of course, I'm going to buy that. You know, if it's a newer movie, it's on four K already. Uh, I, I went right to the four K on that. Right. So the um, price is right. Sure. We have a few people watching in here. I'm going to throw in random questions that they have sure. sporadically in here. But one uh, from Movie Hunter: Will MVD ever come out with a Steelbook? <laughs> you know. Uh, I I do want I do want to the answer is yes when I don't know I sure. do want to do steel books um, uh, the challenge is is um, I you know I'm sort of a one man band mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's possible it's very possible that we could do a steel book line I I do the answer is yes I'm gonna I want to try to get a few more 4Ks out first sure. uh, because there's stuff that I'm working on but um, the two things I I want to do I want a steelbook line, and I also uh, I'm going to put a I'm going to I want to do limited runs of VHS, like um, I want to do um, uh, but I want the packaging and everything to look like it did. So like I want to do the House and Sorority Row VHS tape. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to do re-releases on VHS, mm -hmm. and I want to use the original VHS full frame masters. I don't want to do letterbox on VHS. I want to get it right. I want to mm -hmm. put like cool trailers and stuff and. The, the the bumpers i want to i want to make a really fun experience if people buy one of our vhs tapes but and, i want to do vhs and i and i do plan on doing uh i do want to do a steelbook do a couple i love the answers to both of those and there have been a couple of boutique labels that have put out vhs i know vinegar syndrome did with like the light up boxes i don't know if you saw those or not with rad and those look crazy uh, they're crazy i i mean i don't want to get fancy i just want to you know again i just want to have a cool you know right. I, I just want to recreate the uh, experience on vhs uh we toyed with um i worked with uh like here's something i worked on i can tell you i'm scared to get up like i was sitting in a meeting with charles band 
I had gone to um I had gone to an autograph show and I was mm -hmm. sitting in a meeting with Charles Band, uh, telling him that I was at this autograph show and I couldn't help but to notice that they were selling Parasite on VHS mm -hmm. uh, original copies for like hundred and twenty five dollars at this show, mm -hmm. and, and he had proceeded to tell me that he retained the VHS rights like he didn't own the, the, the any other rights. He says he still had the right. He added some some. There was some sketchy wording in his contract that if he wanted to put this out on VHS again, he could. Hmm. So I talked him into doing an exact, and I mean the exact replica. I oversaw uh, the the last color, every little every little bit of detail. I mean, he got it right too. Even the label he got right on there. Sure. Uh, which I didn't open this one. I think I have an open one somewhere else. But um, we did a run of these, and I overpriced them. I think they were expensive for him to make, and this was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, uh, uh, they did eventually, if they're not sold out, we're finally close to selling these out, but, uh, uh, I want to do this again. And I, I really want to like make it, I'm so proud of how exact we got this. The only thing that's different is it's got a UPC on the bottom. Yeah. That's kind of hard to replicate, but I mean, I, I, I love how you're kind of just, you know, with the video, uh, the, the laser vision line, yeah. how you just kind of have like the CED aspect. If you actually put like that much love and care into a VHS release as well, that would, that would do gangbusters. There was a, uh, yeah. umbrella video came out with like a terrifier. This is art set. And it came with a VHS of terrifier. Yeah. It's like one of the favorite things I own just cause I, it, I, it's nice to have new Wait, VHS. Who put that out? I, terrifier two or one, one, the first one. Wait, who put that out? Umbrella Entertainment. Oh, from the UK. I wanted. I've been. I was just uh, texting or uh, trading emails. We distribute the first one uh, in the US, and uh, you know, I'm trying to do a 4K. I want to do that on a steelbook, and I want to mm -hmm. do a VHS of it. But we'll see if we get, if I get to ever get to it. I think all of those would do gangbusters. The Terrifier Cult is real. Maybe closer to like when the third one gets released or something. That would, that would be yeah. Be I great. just bought the steelbook of Terrifier Two from Amazon because mm -hmm. it was 11.99. Nice. Yeah, there, there's two different steelbooks. There's a Blu-ray and a 4K one. I think I got the Blu-ray one. That was eleven ninety nine. That's a good yeah. example of me not rushing to get the 4K. And I doubt, you know, does it look better on 4K? I don't know. Right. I, I bought the 4K at Best Buy because it was eleven ninety nine. even though I had the Blu-ray. Just like, I, I can't say no to cheap prices. Like, I have you had like a last gung-ho shopping experience at Best Buy? I just had oh, yeah. a couple I, weeks I ago. Just put up a, I put up a TikTok. Or my, uh, you, know, you can follow me on TikTok at, at Indie Producer. That's Indie with two E's. Uh, <laughs> but I put up a video. Uh, I like filmed me going in. I filmed the shelves because I, you know, it's like my last official trip to Best Buy. So, yeah. I did. Right. I, I loaded up. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. It just, it just hit different. When you know something's going to go away, you just kind of have did. to like reminisce and soak it in while you can it, i know that in the retail space things are still changing they're talking about having physical releases only come out bi-weekly instead of weekly just everything is changing that makes sense though and the funny thing is is if you look at the um, mvd's been doing bi-weekly since i've been there uh hmm. like we we there are some people that we we set it up so the second and fourth Tuesdays are our our release date. We try to get our labels to put the titles out on you know the second or the fourth. Um, the reason is is it saves on shipping because the distributor can put all the packages together. You know you don't want to ship too early because you don't want street dates to leak. But it, I think it saves on shipping. I don't have a problem with that. And for our, us collectors, it gives us a break that you know 
we only have, we only have so much money and it gives us a break to like you know you know take a breath between weeks you know although right. you get more you have more dropping though on the weeks that they do come out so maybe i don't i don't know if it, i guess it doesn't make a difference because my, so my fingers crossed hope of hopes is the main reason why they did this is because what probably 80 85 percent of this will be walmart and that'll actually give that team that helps like put everything together make it look nice if all of the new stuff comes out once every other week instead of once every week because yeah. i don't know about your locations but Terrible. i probably have like four walmarts in a 25 mile span and each one is vastly different like I'm, I'm really hoping that they have like some some type of like coherency out there when they are like the main dog in the yeah physical media i mean the problem space. i can't say for certain but i think what you know i think no one was to, no one's provided me with any specific information, so I can only speculate. Sure. But I know if you think back, even back in 2015, 2014, 2016, Walmart used to have merchandisers. They used to come in and fill the shelves. Like the right. employees themselves didn't touch the merchandise. I think they you still know, do. You say they do, mm-hmm. but I noticed a change at one point hmm. that I don't, my speculation is I don't think they have merchandisers anymore. I think they're relying on the employees to put the stuff out, that the employees get a printed planogram tells them where everything goes but how many times have you gone into a walmart especially on a new release day you see empty shelves or even worse empty shelves with a walmart shopping cart full to the brim with this that are supposed to be put out that are yeah. that are sitting in boxes in a shopping cart right i, I see that a lot and sometimes i get yeah. there early enough to where like they're in the process of changing things out and this was a couple of months ago, they said that they don't work for Walmart, which kind of made me think that right, it's a so third party. They do, they're using merchandisers, and so I could be wrong, which is fine. But the merchandisers suck. Then I'm glad because I, I, I feel I feel for the Walmart employees. It's a tough job for oh, crappy yeah. pay. So mm-hmm. if they're paying a merchandiser to go in there and a merchandiser is watching this, do better. You know, as collectors, there's nothing more deflating than going. To, I I don't I don't. I rarely buy discs or anything at Walmart. I think the, I bought one of the one of the Vestron Video Collector series. I may have been in Walmart because it was there. I bought it maybe mm-hmm. once last year on Black Friday. I bought nothing at Walmart. Nothing. Yeah, and I, that's saying something. That used to be a go-to. If my the biggest loss for me as a collector, the fact that Best Buy is getting out of physical media. I mean, Black Friday's just over. I know. I, I mean, know. how we lived as collectors. First of all, I loved I loved it when you know the stores opened at five a.m. and I'd be waiting outside for two. I, I didn't I, I wouldn't sleep out you know a week in advance, but I'd get up at two three in the morning, get dressed, drive out to Best Buy, and wait in that line to be first in line to get the discs that I wanted. Yeah. Um, and then when they started doing it on Thanksgiving, loved it even more. Then I didn't, then I could just eat dinner and then afterward go out shopping. I miss those days. I feel bad that the employees had to work, but. I mean, I loved going out on Thanksgiving night and shopping. As a consumer, it was fun because you knew you were never going to get any better deals than never. Black Friday. So you went hog wild. At least I did. Yeah. And the Just... thing about the thing that was great about uh, Best Buy and then being in the physical media business, especially on Black Friday, is if Best Buy had three ninety nine Blu rays, and then Amazon would price match. But now mm. that Best Buy is going away. This is why competition is good, and this is why monopolies are bad. Because with that, with Best Buy going away, Amazon may not feel the need to go that low on price anymore. Right, and yeah. I, for for me, like Best Buy, I loved going there because it was a big steelbook hub, 
And I'm really, I know yeah. that right now Walmart is talking about how the majority of locations will have like a steel book section. And I, I really hope they do, but I just hope that that sucker is packed all the time. And when new releases come out, they're out that day. Cause if, if it's not right away, I feel like they're going to lose a lot of goodwill that they are currently yeah. getting. And you know, and this one hurts me too. And I, and I don't, I'm not speaking ill of them, but like FYE could mm-hmm. be amazing for, mm-hmm. for collectors if they want it to be. Yeah. They could be amazing. They already sell a lot of cool stuff that I like to buy, although their prices aren't great. But that's why I say they could be amazing. They could have all the stuff that we want, the collectors want. They could have sections for uh, Arrow and Blue Underground and Shout and Criterion. They right. Instead, they have a lot of used shit in their store. Sorry, my excuse my language. Like they just don't they don't do a good job of curating. Not a lot of cool steel books in there anymore. Especially a friend of mine who used to work for Lionsgate who used to do those. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work there. Like there's the exclusives are gone. Ah, it's frustrating because you have a retailer that's still open that there could be they could turn it around, but they just don't know. They don't quite understand who their customers are, or at least who their customers could be. Right. No, in in 2024, I feel like a lot of my physical media shopping is going to happen at the thrift stores, at the secondhand stores. And that's not really good for the future of physical media in my No, opinion. because when you buy one of them, it doesn't count towards... Uh, it's great for us. Right. Because we're... For now. You're recycling mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're building your collection rather cheaply, but it doesn't, you know, uh, they don't count you sales when, you know... Uh, when they when they you hear that annual you know physical media sold two billion you know dollars worth this year those mm-hmm. use sales aren't included in in uh, in those which is but uh, you know I think it's also and I'm hoping uh, places like uh, Grindhouse Video or Orbit DVD mm-hmm. Diabolic DVD who I I love Diabolic I was in their warehouse yesterday I wanted to make a video. Mm was like i died and went to heaven i bet yeah jesse that warehouse is if you're a collector it's like a dream to walk Mm -hmm. in there because first of all every release you could possibly want lines all these huge (laughs) tall shells and then he's got all the imports i I literally i was we were i was picking up because we were going somewhere if i had spent any amount of time there i i could easily drop thousands of dollars right there there's so much stuff I wanted. You have no idea. Whenever, whenever Criterion's been very nice the past couple of years to do like those Criterion closets. I, I love watching like celebrities go in there, pick yeah, up their like favorite movies. They're so good. Does MVD have like a section like no. that in your warehouse at all? No, no, but it's not a bad idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention that to to the boss. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Let's start a re- do we have enough titles though? I only have like what sixty rewind titles, but you know. And so I got, you know, 50 marquee titles. Yeah, we could. Mm-hmm. You could, you could like do a shelf like this, at least. I mean, even you were even saying how you guys distribute a lot of the boutique labels. Just kind of have that everything and make it more of like a focused hub for the website. Yeah, but they would take all the better. They, they would take all the arrow titles and leave <laughs> movies like Ski Patrol and, and, and Hail Caesar behind. And I'd be, I'd be hurt. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the closet in my house so the cool celebrities come to my house and they there you go. get their free movies. That, that, that's thinking right there, man. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I know um, you tried to – right now you are currently doing the Rewind Collection and MVD. You started having that mindset when you worked at Kino Lorber. 
you kind of helped them focus more on the cult movies as well, opposed to what they that, were doing. I, I, it wasn't so much that I wanted, uh, I wanted to add to what they were doing at the time that I got to Kino Lorber. And this is before, you know, long before the studio classics line, which, mm -hmm. you know, is amazing. Um, when I got there, I wanted to, you know, uh, they were really known for that, that, that foreign and that art house and that classic silent Hollywood films. And, 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 uh, and I wanted to, uh, my, my, my goal was like, well, how can I add to this? How can I grow their business? And I thought, is there, is there a way to, uh, put some more mainstream product out uh, without interfering with their branding. So mm -hmm. one of the things I did is I started a, what I called Horizon Movies, which was a name that they had, that Kino Lorber or Kino had used years ago to put out somebody's movie. And I sort of uh, resurrected it with a new logo. And uh, if you look on the back of the packaging of their version of The Hills Have Ice 2, um, you'll see it doesn't mention Kino at all, it just says Horizon Movies, like it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. just came out of our office so you know uh i started picking up new releases and some classic catalog stuff and putting it out under horizon movies and then you know uh things started to change with the redemption catalog which i was involved with the the, the line look and the design of that hmm. and then we had the, the the jezebel line which was sort of those uh i call them i don't know sexy uh, 60s sexy films from the 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. uh, we had the Mario Bava brand line. We started to expand beyond, uh, you know, foreign and art house and old silent films and tried to do, you know, my goal while I was there, my goal was like, you know, how do we grow our business? How can we do something more and different that doesn't cannibalize our existing business just adds to it. And that, you know, and then we started picking up, you know, I'm trying to think in addition to Hills, Oh, Hills have ice too, you know, um, one of the classics, the Kino, we the Kino classics was uh, this Metropolis. Sure, here let me, let me let me let me make it big a little bit here because that package looks very cool. So we did the I don't know if it's working. We did the lenticular there you cover. Go. Yep. That was my idea. I'd watched it for the first time when I was a Kino. I'm like, oh, I want to make a lenticular cover with the rings. Mm -hmm. And then um, my first, I guess, my very first uh, special edition that I produced. Uh, was because we had this metropolis, um, but I remembered in the 80s during the MTV era that there was what's a version called Giorgio Moroder Presents Metropolis. And basically what it was, was they took the film, but they cut it to uh, pop music instead of an orchestral score. And it had uh, music by, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury and Giorgio Moroder and Pat Benatar and uh, uh, Bonnie Tyler and, and Queen or Adam Ant more like so um, I found a collector with a print and we did a 2k scan of the print um, I, I discovered that there was a documentary made a documentary short that they tried to submit to win an Oscar in 1984 hmm. uh, about the making of this uh, film and I uh, found the filmmaker and he sent it to me and we digitized it and we made a nice special edition. And um, I'm proud to say I won my first and only Saturn award for, for uh, the Giorgio Moroder uh, presents Metropolis. And for those that aren't in the know, what, what is the Saturn awards? The Saturn awards is the, the, uh, the Academy of sci-fi fantasy and horror. Uh, they, they're like the Oscars of genre films. So that that's very very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Then they have a they have a, 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 
they have a category for for physical media, which is nice. great. Yeah, cool. I've been um, nominated like four times. I only won once. At least you won. At least you have I one of the trophies. That. Where where is it at in your uh, house? Uh, it's not. It, it gets to say Aquino because they paid for the whole thing. I just buy. Oh. I, I, <laughs> I didn't I know if you could like pay for your own just to have it uh, that would have been nice um well you know let, that's let's not a bad idea that's not a bad idea sure let, let, let's go back a little bit to what you were saying um it sounds like you're very um thorough in trying to get as much extras packed into every release and like even with, with the metropolis you said you tracked down a 2k scan the original 2k scan you tracked down a documentary that you put in there how do you go about the process of actually like finding these people it sounds like a very hard thing to do if like that information is google start just google, google everything and i google and imdb pro and i've the other thing though um i've produced a few movies uh so i i i'm i, I know there are some people that i know that uh that i can lean on and say hey do you know this person or do you know that person and that helps sometimes sure yeah sometimes it's you know when we were Working on joysticks, uh, I found Leaf Green's phone number on the internet, and I just called him. <laughs> I introduced myself. I, uh, I I invited him to join us on our commentary, uh, but uh, he respectfully declined. But we talked on the phone for two hours, told me amazing stories. So, you know, it was great. As a geek, I was loving every minute of that. Sure. I... I've always known like with any boutique label, like how they kind of get the exclusive interviews that they do. And it's, it has to be either like hard work and just like kind of digging to see if they can get that information or just, you know, somebody and happenstance happens. It's and determination. It's I mean, with like Van Dam, we just, we did not, we were, I was just determined at the same. And we got lucky. It was great. Uh, little, it was a, a challenge to work around, you know, his schedule, you know, was always hectic. But we finally, you know, got what we needed, not once, but twice with Van Dam. Uh, at the same time, I'll say when, when I was working on uh, Noah Bob, the two Noah Baumbach films, um, uh, Highball and Mr. Jealousy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think at one point his agent wanted to kill me. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I deserve any anger that was i was just listen i was aggressive i really wanted uh, his involvement in those especially highball because he disowned it and i'm like mm. you know we were we did a really great feature-length documentary on the making of highball and we got almost everybody involved with that film on that doc it had been nice I, I i told i told his manager whoever i was talking to i'm like he can trash me he can trash the film or say whatever he wants but you know we're just trying to get the truth you know right there's the but I, I, I understand. Listen, it's a film he took his name off of. I, 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 I would, no, would not be doing my job if I didn't try my hardest to get right. uh, these people to participate in these extras. Because as collectors, you know, we want to we, we enjoy the movie and then we want to see the story behind it. How did that movie get made? What can you tell me about it? And that's what I try to do. Correct. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie. Was he actually in the documentary talking about it? That highball uh, one? Noah Baumbach? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> so you pretty much just talked to his agent and the agent's like, we want nothing. I have a this. lot of emails, but the last email exchange was, I'll just say was terse. And, you know, <laughs> I was, I was a uh, pushy or aggress- a little aggressive. I was getting frustrated because I really, mm-hmm. it was, everything was coming together so nice, but 
these are just it's a movie disowned you know there's right. a reason there, i'm sure there was you know he i i don't want to say anything out of turn sure. I, i'm i was disappointed that he he, he didn't participate at the same time i am grateful for the the things behind the scenes the things that he did do mm-hmm. no absolutely so, you know he was very generous if anything i was too pushy and i take responsibility for that but he was very he was very generous with his time i'm sure when we were talking to him he's probably working on barbie so he, if, if anything in my dude i got bigger things to worry about than a hundred thousand dollar budget movie i made 25 years ago right um when you come to make physical media, do you, um, is there any type of, um, I guess, amount of, uh, for special features, how much money do you think gets put into that as opposed to like the transfer portion or the pressing portion? Well, Does it vary I, from film to film? It varies from film to film. I usually have a budget. So there are some movies that come with a pretty good master and then I can try to spend a little more if I, if, you know, if I have to, I can spend a little more on bonus features. Hmm. At the same time with like uh, Swamp Thing, because we did such an extensive transfer and restoration, um, my focus there, and because there was already a lot of bonus material that just sort of needed to be licensed and brought together into one place, mm-hmm. uh, I spent, I, I, I focused on on gathering the existing materials rather than trying to make new. Excuse me, but it varies from it varies from title to title. Some titles, things come together great and we get like lots of people involved and uh, we keep the budget in check. And the other ones, you know, uh, uh, like I, you know, for Hail Caesar, I really hoped, I, I, I thought I had a good email, like Anthony Michael Hall's managers didn't get back to me. Hmm. He didn't get back to me. And, you know, it's the, the movie is what it is, but it's his only film as a director. And I would have loved to have spoken to him to see what, you know, uh, how did it come about? How, you know, you directed this movie and it was your third movie with Robert Downey Jr. And uh, I think it was his third, but, you know, he had Sam Jackson in there and, and Judd Nelson. And, you know, tell I would, I would have loved to have heard about his experience. and got that on tape and, and, you know, you know, why he never directed again. I have lots of questions or at least a movie again. He may have directed episodes of his TV series. Sure. Well, I, I know that there are always people on the internet or that make videos on YouTube. They're like, why wasn't this person in these special features? And I, I think the majority of the time people reach out and they just say they want nothing to do with it anymore. Sometimes they just don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of um, say double dragon, you know, the, the writers of Double Dragon were the showrunners for Better Call Saul. But mm. when we reached out, uh, uh, it turns out that the, uh, the and I, his name's escaping me, um, but the, um, uh, Peter Gould, maybe his name was, uh, but it turns out the writer mm. had met his wife while making that film. Hmm. So the, even though he knew that that was a, you know, the film didn't turn out as they had hoped, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was a positive, fun experience for him. And he thought, you know, it's a cult classic. I don't know if you've seen Double Dragon. It's a blast. Yes. And uh, uh, he said, like, you know, here's a guy that was, you know, won Emmys for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And he happily took the time to sit down and let us interview him about uh, about his, one of his first movies in Hollywood, which is great. Sometimes that happens, mm-hmm. you know, it comes together and sometimes it doesn't. You just, you, 
the thing is you have to ask I, i'm Correct. not afraid to you have to ask like you know will you do it sometimes they get back to you sometimes they don't and i won't name names and some actors say yes and they want like you know i had one actor recently say yes but they wanted like ten thousand dollars and i'm not going to spend ten thousand dollars on a 15-minute interview unless right. it's so big and so important it wasn't an actor i felt would move the needle all that much for that kind of money that's i'll just say that so so when actors get um when you get interviews for actors, is it just kind of out of goodwill out of them? Or? Sometimes, sometimes out okay. of goodwill, sometimes depends on the actor. I don't begrudge an actor asking for, or a director or a writer asking for um, a little bit of money for their time. I'm okay right. with that. Mm -hmm. You um, know, provided it's, you know, within reason, within, you know, budget. You know, mm -hmm. there was, I won't, again, I don't, we had, we had one uh, actor that uh, lived outside the country and his son lived in LA uh, who didn't get, who rarely gave interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, instead of asking for money, he said, I'll tell you what, you fly me into LA. He said, fly me into LAX, but have a hotel room booked and ready. Hmm. He said, you fly me in after I land, we'll go over. My, my son will meet you, meet us at the hotel. Uh, you can interview me at the hotel. He just said all he wanted was a round trip ticket from his country so he could fly in. And he said he would do the interview, which That's was cool. great. Yeah. Now that was, you know, I think we spent like a thousand dollars on the ticket, but well worth it. You know, right. yeah. it depends on who it is. Mm -hmm. And I happily, and I got him to reunite with his son, and we got it on camera, and like it worked out very nice. You know, that's that's a win win for everybody. It's it nice a win win. Like it works out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I, I have a couple more questions here from the audience that have been kind of flooding. Sure, in. ask them. Ask away. Uh, what movie do you think in any era that you released an MVD is? Do you consider underrated? All right, I'm look. I'm turning around. I love how you have every single one just stacked. I just right happen next to here. have them uh, uh, back there. Underrated. No, underrated. That means like, I, I can I name two? Is that all right? Go for it. Yeah. Because it's got to be uh, underrated. That means the audience would have to, you know, it doesn't get it doesn't get as uh, the right amount of love that it deserves. Correct. Um, the first one, which is out of print now, is went to Coney Island on a mission from God. Be back by five. Um, I've never uh, even heard of that movie, Eric. Uh, it stars John Cryer. Ioni Sky, it's really, it's, it's a, a really, it's a good dramedy, huh. um, but it's out of print. Didn't sell great. We didn't, we kept, we let the, we let the license lapse. Sure. Highly recommended. Uh, that's underrated. Uh, maybe Abominable. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of a movie that doesn't like, you know, I'm just going to say went to Coney Island's probably our most underrated. That's fair. Like I said, I, I, I don't even know what that movie's about. That title was so dang long. That movie's about uh, 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 three friends who, you know, uh, were best friends when they were young and in high school. And then when they got older, they sort of drifted and went their own ways. And they uh, uh, get back together because one of the friends, they, they, they find out that the well, one of the two guys, the two friends get together to look for their other friend who's homeless and disappeared. Hmm. So interesting. It's very good. Gotcha. 
Um, another question we have here is, what's your favorite movie tagline? Do you have one off the top of your head? Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. That would be hard for me to think on the spot. Uh, the ones that pop there, I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, the, the ones that pop into my head without even thinking about it. Um, shopping mall. We're, we're shopping uh, costs you an arm and a leg. <laughs> um, that I do love that tagline. And um, uh, what's, what's the other one? It's so funny. People don't know that I worked the, uh, I helped launch the, um, the Vestron Video Collector Series, but that's for a whole nother. Uh, I bet, yeah. Uh, did I did? If you if you look at the packaging, you'll see similarities. Sure, um, absolutely. Um, now that you mention it, that's why I waited till twenty. I think that that came out twenty sixteen. I was I I was uh, quietly involved through a proxy, uh, mm -hmm. dictating much of that design look, the curating of the titles and everything. I didn't get paid for it or anything. I just did it out of love. Sure, because I wanted free copies. Um, but uh, first they greet you, then they eat you. What's that one? Oh God, uh, that sounds very but, familiar. I mean, these are you know. I'm just trying to think of the fun uh, uh, movie uh, taglines. You know, I was thinking of Ghoulies. They'll get you in the end when he's on the toilet. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. good. That one's cute. Yeah, our alien in space. No one will hear you scream. Like that's the main one that comes to my head anytime yeah, I make taglines. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that we're shopping a costume arm and a leg. It's, it's just, I always thought that was hilarious. That, that is a good one. Um, do you kind of tiptoeing back to Kino Lorber? I just personally got into that label a couple of months ago when they had their big, I think, a Black Friday sale or yeah, I love, sale. Yeah, I have a whole stack. I got it. I've been meaning to do a haul video of it. I, I love Frank Tarzi over there that runs that, man. He's the best. I, I I probably bought like ten or twelve movies, and you sent me a list of movies that you helped create yeah. over there with your time over there. A they're, couple they're of them as, that the you ones made. I worked were, on aren't as good as his, but you can go through them. Well, a couple of them that I picked up, you worked on, and one that I I hope you have backstory to because this movie is not talked about enough. Especially the director just keeps on growing in popularity. That's Dogtooth. Oh yes. So I didn't do that acquisition. Um, I definitely credit. Um, uh, uh, Richard Lorber did the acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, Don Krim, God rest his soul. Uh, back then we were like, you know, Blu-rays, to do Blu-rays were expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically what had happened was, was uh, we announced the DVD and I think the DVD was coming out. We did not announce a Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. And I made a, like a deal with Don Krim. I said to Don, I said, look, if it gets nominated for an Oscar, we got to do a Blu-ray of that. And uh, what I didn't tell him was I had already commissioned. I just I I, my gut told me it was getting nominated for mm -hmm. a, uh, best international film. So I had already uh, commissioned. The artwork was done. The packaging was done. The authoring was done. I literally like. I remember I spent the money, but if it didn't get nominated, I would. I don't know what I would have done. Right, but I remember I was on the train on the way into Manhattan on my way to work, watching the Oscar nominations like eight thirty <laughs> in the morning on my on uh, like a flip phone or something. I remember it was like you know crappy, <laughs> and uh, it got I it got nominated. And I immediately was like dialing I'm dialing on the phone, uh, print the disc, you know, let's get you know let's get that into print. I remember giving the green light on the New Jersey Transit train. That's my story behind Dogtooth. 
That's uh, great. But I mean, the, I did. I was not involved. I didn't create the bone, like all the bonus, any bonus material. Sure. Anything, I don't know what's on that. That was all, you know. But I really, that was one I fought for to get on Blu-ray the, uh, initially. And again, because Foreign and Art House, you know, this is, we're talking uh, 2010, 2011. You know, we had to, you know, we had to pick and choose our battles with that. Right. Do you remember the movie at all off the top of your head? I do. It's, uh, okay. it's just a, it's, it's very Yorgos Lathimosi. This is like before he was a big thing, though. Yes, but the director of two, The Lobster and Killing the Sacred Deer, favorite, had, uh, more things. Kino had two Yorgos Lathimos films. Hmm. I, I saw this it, without knowing anything about him. I saw it in I used to joke. I used blew to my joke mind. Yeah. With Richard Glorber and Don Krim, I used to say to him, this company like finds all these obscure international directors, mm -hmm. you help make them popular, and then they leave Kino and they go take their bigger films elsewhere. So they had like Pablo Lorraine, which you can look up, and he's gone on to direct, you know, movies for Sony Pictures Classics. And mm -hmm. they had Yorgos Lathimos. I'm trying to think there were other directors that had sort of come in. We we sort of fostered their early part of their career and then they mm -hmm. move on. Oh, step okay. over the small guys, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? They're very they should be proud of of uh, uh, Richard Lorber's taste in films is impeccable, and hmm. he was very good at uh, he was very good at picking films that would like Ajami was another one that Richard Lorber and Don Krim put out that was nominated for a foreign film Oscar. They just mm -hmm. were very good at what they did. How have you? What, what are your thoughts on the trajectory that Kino Lorber has had since you've left the company? Uh, my thoughts are that they. I think it's great that they they continue to. Uh, you look at their releases; they continue to do the foreign and art house and the stuff that 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 uh, both Kino and and uh, Lorber films are known for, mm -hmm. and the classics. And then uh, the studio classics, I think, is you know it's exactly the it it's basically you know it's it continues the idea of the thing that I wanted to do that I was there is how can we how can we grow the business without affecting what what made you. Kino Lorber in the first place. And I, you know, uh, I, uh, one might argue that the Kino Lorber Studio Classics is probably a bigger money maker than the rest of the stuff that they do at this point. But uh, Frank Tarzi, who I just adore, has an insatiable appetite for content and mm -hmm. he gets an amazing amount of titles out. I, I, uh, I envy his, his, how he, I don't know how he does it, but I envy him. I, I they come out with a ton of stuff and I yeah for me it, it's almost like they they kind of throw their arrows a little bit everywhere like for to any type of collector of physical media whatever I, I your taste the is they have something thing, for you and I try to do the same thing with with the stuff that I put out you know there's no uh there's no one type of film that that uh, I focus on we're not you know the the, the rewind collection can be anything but it's just got to feel right you know what I mean not every movie gets Rain Man, while it's from the 80s, mm -hmm. did not feel like a Rewind Collection title. That's in the Marquee Collection. But Correct. If you want an Oscar, it's, it's it, you know, I didn't think it would be right on the shelf next to, you know, uh, Showdown or My Samurai. You know what I mean? Correct. No, I, I don't think that uh, Rain Man should be right next to Jack Frost. I, absolutely Yeah, not. it does. It just it has <laughs> to be the, the, it has to be the, the right title. But, uh, no, I, I mean, listen, I could talk about Kino all night. I... I wouldn't have left there 
I mean, listen, I got lured away by all of films mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a generous salary, I'll just say. And, it, you know, I wouldn't have to commute to New York anymore. I could work at home. I mean, why who wouldn't, who wouldn't take that chance? You know, unfortunately, right. my time at Olive was 14 months at the most, and it just wasn't a very fulfilling experience. Mm. Not for me in terms right. of my career. I mean, yeah, that, that's what happens sometimes, though, in uh, career moves. You think you take a step for the better, and sometimes it doesn't end up the way yeah. you think. But yeah, it's good. you can't you can't say not, no. Yes, not what I have. You know, I, I certainly it's sad to see another boutique label go. At the same right. time, you know, at one point, Olive had me, Frank Tarzi. I'm um, trying to think. Uh, you know, they literally had a dream team of acquisitions and sales um it's a shame you know had things gone differently that label would be huge today that's all i'll say okay i, I want to ask more but i no, I, I, I mean won't. it's just yeah. it could have been huge i mean think about it sure. had, no yeah My- brett wood and frank tarzi and me there brett wood uh, who did the classic stuff and and like all those really nice box sets of of uh, uh of the uh he did a box. He he does all these uh, curating of these classic and and, and and foreign and art house films and stuff. And then Frank mm-hmm. does all the Kino Lorber Studio classics. And I do a lot of this cult stuff. Imagine all these these three different types of people in one company. And you right. imagine if you just allow us to do the thing that we do best, and just you could just stand there and count the money. You know what I mean? But it, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out the way it hoped. Right. And I'm assuming why that's why they kind of ended up the way they did is because they they more or less like put reins instead of have the people that they hired kind of do what they do. Exactly. I mean, a good a good manager uh, delegates and gives the people that they they give the put trust in the people that they hire to do the job. Um, I will say this, though, I um, because we're talking about Kino. Mm-hmm. So while I really, uh, when I was at Olive, I really wanted to do like a nice, I wanted to do a new transfer and a nice special edition of Cujo. Mm-hmm. And I shot, at one point, I managed to get together. This was in 2014. I got together 10 years ago. Uh, the uh, the director, uh, uh, D. Wallace, um, Danny Pintaro, uh, I'm trying to think of... Uh, um, I got the cast, the, the, the key cast members back together and the director. We did this round table. We shot the mm-hmm. whole thing. It was amazing. Uh, they had not been in the same room with each other for decades. And we shot it. We edited it. And Olive never used it. Just sat hmm. there. But I wonder where that is. Yeah. Frank Tarzi was putting... Um, uh, Frank Tarzi was putting... Um, um, uh, Cujo out on 4K... And I sent it to him. I'm like, please use this. It's something I was, it's one of the, I was proud. I produced the piece. I was proud of it. And I Mm -hmm. was happy to, happy to see for the collectors. They needed to see this thing. So I don't know if you have the Cujo 4K. It's in the box set, but you should watch it. I'm pretty proud of that. I I wonder why all the films would go to the lengths that they did to shoot everything and then just kind of like sit it on the shelf. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All the films let me do it, but they didn't use it. Uh, I, I we we could have an entire we could spend two hours just talking. I believe you. I could spend hours. Sure. Here, but uh, yeah, I, uh, 
uh, I wish the the people that that ran that company well, and it just wasn't a great, it wasn't a good place for me. And I'm mm. happy that it worked out the way it did because I wouldn't be doing the, you know, the rewind collection is like my favorite thing on the whole, in the whole world to do. Right. Imagine having a job that doesn't feel like work. It's the best. Yes. Really uh, currently, is. that's it's kind of where I'm at. If you have a passion for what you're doing, it yeah, you you want to like never stop doing that. I mean, like find something, find find. Find something you would love. Find that thing you'd love to do uh, that you'd be willing to do for free and then to find somebody to pay you to do that. Come on. Right. Well, th there's one there's one story that I, I know that you kind of had help in and it has to do with the movie Roadhouse. That, that's a story that I want to <laughs> hear more of. Could you please go into more detail about it's not, this? It's nothing fancy. Um, I forget which movie it was. I was watching um, one of Kevin Smith's films and uh, with he has a, he had a commentary. It was one of his movies with a commentary. Maybe I, I, I'm trying to think which one it was, but at one point during the commentary, he uh, makes a comment to Scott Bozier that, you know, they somehow got on the subject of Roadhouse on the commentary of his own film. And they start talking about Dalton and Roadhouse. But he says in the commentary, well, Sony, if you're listening, if you ever want, or MGM, if you're listening, if you ever want to do a, uh, if you ever want to, if you ever need somebody to do a commentary, call me, we'll do it. And then uh, fast forward a few years later, I was working at Sony. I'm on a conference call with Sony and we we're discussing the MGM titles because at the time uh, Sony was part of the consortium. There was a consortium of banks that bought MGM and, and Sony was, had the distribution of, of the MGM catalog for a year and they were going to do a special edition of Roadhouse. Because MGM made a Roadhouse 2, which we put out, by the way, uh, also. Uh, but uh, they were going to re-release Roadhouse 1. And I mentioned on the call about, you know, Kevin Smith said on this commentary of this movie I was watching, he would love to do, uh, he would love to do um, a commentary for Roadhouse. And uh, I don't know who did it, but somebody, somebody at Sony must have called Kevin Smith, booked mm -hmm. it, and made it so. Because when we put Roadhouse, when Sony put the MGM Blu-ray or DVD of Roadhouse out, it did include a commentary by Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. I'm pretty sure I affected that directly. Right. And I know he's a fan of physical media as well. So yeah, if he, yes, he I'm guessing he just wanted to, he, he, that man likes to talk about a lot of different things. So to actually like have his thoughts on Roadhouse on the actual disc of Roadhouse, that had to have been a dream come true for him. Uh, dude, last year at his film festival, I got, to, I got to do a panel. It was me and Kevin Smith. That's I mean, awesome. it was awesome. I mean, right. you know, this guy, um, I, I, I've produced a few movies in mm -hmm. my career. Uh, one of which my first film was called the man from earth. And I'm telling you, it's my clerks. I mean, it was directly inspired by clerks. You know, sure. I, I'm a guy from Jersey. Uh, and he, you know, when, when, when you watch clerks for the first time, you realize this guy, you know, this is a guy that lived 90, 85 miles away from me. Mm -hmm. lived in jersey and, and did that i said mm -hmm. to myself i can do that too you know and i did it yeah no that, that's that's very cool um god I, how long do you talk to kevin smith for like an hour hour and a half uh, we we did a panel i don't know it felt like it felt like at least an hour an hour and a right. half i mean uh he wanted me to talk about distribution independent films nice. i mean he's holding up you know we talked about the man from earth and the violence movie, you know, cause I had produced some stuff and, and it was mm -hmm. just, you know, I don't know. He's a lovely human being. And, 
to to have um uh, he's a lovely human being to have to be invited to be part of his film festival and to speak to his fans mm-hmm. uh, was a highlight of my career. Yeah, that sounds like a dream come true. That that would it be really absolutely amazing to interview. It was. Him, I had to um, pitch myself. I right. brought a picture. I had met him at the East Coast Video Show. This is in uh, October of 1997, mm-hmm. and uh, Miramax had a booth which he was just sitting there. There was no, he wasn't really known all that well known uh, promoting the, the chasing Amy was going to be coming out on, on VHS tape. And I guess laser disc. Yeah. Criteria. And he was there like waiting to sign autographs for imagine no line for Kevin Smith. But you know, the funny thing was, was I was there handing out resumes, trying to get a job in the home video business. <laughs> and I lived near, it was in Lake city and I lived, I saw he was there. I went home, I got my clerk's laser disc. I brought brought it back in. I had him I had him autographed. Still hangs on my wall. Uh, I got a picture with him, and that was in, in 1997. And then, uh, uh, 25 years or whatever, 30 years or 25 years later, uh, I got the same picture with him at that film festival. So that that's was, very yeah, very, was very cool. cool. So you were collecting laser disc all the way back in '97. How how long have you been collecting physical media for? Well, I don't like to talk about my age, but I will just uh, uh, first first movie I bought were the CED discs, and sure. that was in that was in 1984. Uh, the first I I saw the first movie I bought on VHS was The Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. uh, which I have the tape. I still have my original tape that I bought uh, from a, and that was in 1985. And I don't know, do the math, man. This is 40 years of collecting. Yeah, no, it, for 10,000 plus titles, it definitely shows, man. It's very, very, very daunting. I have around like 3,000 titles behind me. I couldn't imagine triple that. Yeah, well, in, let's see, I'm going to say around 1986, 1987, I used to rent movies at National Video. No, new release day back then was on Thursdays. And I made friends, I forget their names. One of the guys' name was David, maybe, I don't know. I made friends with the owners mm-hmm. and they were lovely people. I'd go in there and they knew there was this kid who either rode his bike and then eventually got a driver's license. I would drive there. And on Thursday mornings, I'd show up and they would give me the copies of Video Store and Video Business Magazine, the trades. And I remember the first thing, first time I got a free movie, he gave me a copy of uh, a screening copy of Rambo 3 from ive entertainment on vhs okay. and it said for promotional use only and everything on it mm-hmm. and he gave me that and a couple others i don't remember what the other ones were this was probably in 19 i guess it was 88 and he said to me we get these screener tapes in uh we're supposed to watch them decide what to you know what to bring in uh do you want to take these home watch them let us know what you think mm. and i said to him this is where a light bulb went off in my head because at this point i just started collecting I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm holding these tapes. I'm like, wait a minute. These these are free? You're, they send these for free? He's like, yeah, we get it from the distributor. I'm like, you get free movies from a distributor? He said, yes. And a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, I'm going to work in the home video business because I can get free movies if I work in the home video business. And, you know, after that, I, in 1989, I worked for Hometown Video. After Hometown Video, I got a job at a distributor called Sight and Nuts uh, Schwartz Brothers. 
which is a video distributor, because mm. he said he got the free movies from the distributor. Mm -hmm. So, and then I sort of worked my way up. I went from uh, Schwartz Brothers a few years later. I worked for Star Video and then Valley Media, Valley Media to Our Entertainment. And then uh, once I got, uh, well, Star Video, I was the brand manager for 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment at Valley Media or Star Video. But once I knew once I had 20th Century Fox in my resume, that would that would right. move me along. And it did. Mm -hmm. It really helped. God, so that that's that's crazy how like your trajectory has just went from this all the way to where you are now. That's yeah. very cool story. And you can tell just from like the amount of effort it took you to get that first little boost on your resume, just how hard you kind of work. And you can tell you're still doing that with the acquisitions you do to this day. It's I should have, uh, it's so hard, you know, getting in. Remember, the reason I was at the East Coast video show was to hand out resumes to get a job in the business. I was trying mm. to get a job. I had my college degree. I, I, I was at the time I was working in television, uh, shooting and producing, shooting local TV commercials and producing local television shows mm -hmm. in Atlantic City. And I went to the East Coast Video Show because I knew all the companies were going to be there. And I said, I got to get, I, you know, I had handed out resumes in previous years there, but my brother, Again, the guy, the great graphic designer, he made me fake press passes so I could get on the floor. <laughs> I had made this fake movie poster that looked like a movie poster, like an ad. It said, Eric Wilkinson is the applicant. And it looked like an ad, you know, coming soon to home video. It looked like a home video ad. Okay. I printed it out. I had photoshopped my head because I didn't own a suit, but he photoshopped my head with me wearing a suit. <laughs> I put that on the cover of a, a you know a, a large envelope, put my resume on the inside, handed them out, and uh, that's what got me my first job in the business. That was my my 20th Century Fox brand manager. Uh, they, they hired me. They knew I didn't have any real experience other than having worked at a video store, mm -hmm. but uh, they knew that I knew movies. I had a good knowledge of catalog, and I'd done my homework. I had a college degree. And they took a shot. They took a shot. And it's, you know. Being All you need is that first break, man. And then, yeah, yes, that, you, you kind of make your break, own stuff yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, making my brother designing that fake movie poster for me really it, it made all the difference in the world. I had handed resumes out there before and mm -hmm. no one ever called me back. But making what looked like a home video ad that you found in like the trades. Made you stand that, out. That yeah. really helped. And that's kind of. You know, when you look at how I treat packaging, I basically did with myself. I did with with my own person. I did the, what I do for these. Is I just made mm -hmm. a I made a really cool looking home video package. And uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate in my career. Well, I, I love that your brother helped you kind of get into the industry by making that for you, and now We've you been, are helping him kind of put his own work out on your releases that you're helping. And, get he, and he does, and I'm going to get up for a second. He does his own stuff. So he works for, uh, uh, he works for, um, and, and I, and I give him notes and stuff, but mm -hmm. he works for spirit Halloween and Spencer's. Oh, really? Did, that's... You, did you see these things that they did? Spe yes, uh, spirit? I, that's great. So he designed these. Um, but I, I'm telling you, I, I, uh, given my experience, mind you, because I do the rewind collection, VHS, together, yeah. I make sure again, the authenticity, uh, the authenticity is amazing on these things. Uh, ooh, I got to watch the light for the, for the podcast listeners on here. He's showing off spirit. Halloween made these VHS inspired tapes 
of just old horror IPs. He's showing off a Halloween 2 one. But on the inside, yeah. But on the inside, though, there's like trinkets and stuff. It's not a real tape. It's just got like a lanyard and some stuff on the inside. So the the packaging for products of that IP is next level. It's just great. And so like, like we sort of, you know, he helps me do the rewind stuff. When he calls, sometimes he'll call me up and say, can you write me a synopsis for the back of one of these? Because they can't use the same one that's on the back. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy to give him notes for this stuff. Uh, and I love working with him. I mean, you know, uh, I love all my brothers and sisters, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we we do a lot of... I've, I've been fortunate that I have a brother as talented as he is, and I get to... I'm so lucky I get to do so much fun stuff with him. And yeah. I love it when he, when he contribute, like the, the, his contribution, like to, some of the stuff he comes up with is amazing. Like when we were, people complained about the, um, for the swamp thing, people mm-hmm. complained because we have a different number sequence on it. And they, you know, not everybody wants to buy both the DVD and the Blu-ray. And David came up with this amazing idea for, we started with cutting class. So the, you know, that's the front and the mm-hmm. side, the spine uh, has, you know, the number right there. Sure. Um, I'm trying to keep it out of the light. So, but then <laughs> here's what David did, which is brilliant. If you flip it to the other side, he put the number sequence right here of the rewind collection. So if you put it on your shelf with the, with the rest of the rewind titles. Yeah. You can decide how you want to display it. Yeah. So if, if you're, if cause some people like to have the, Sorry, some people like to have the number sequence. So here's uh, uh, 52, 53, 54, 55. And if you mm-hmm. put, the, this is the 4K, but if you put it, um, the other spine out, you don't have to buy the Blu-ray to get the spines to be, uh, to, to have it nice and neat and match. There you go. And that's like the little, that's like, that was his idea, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, to contribute. And when we were doing the, the slip cover for this, you know, he, his ideas are great. Like we didn't want to just a repeat. We wanted to have the spirit of the original packaging. We didn't have a lot of artwork options, but the, the bloody pencil and the paper, it just like, he's so good. You know, he so gets it. Like he mm-hmm. totally gets the VHS look in culture. And I, I enjoy your guys' packaging because you can tell that you're like a fan of the movie and putting little Easter egg things inside of the packaging like that. I, yeah. I love it when companies do that. I know. I love, um, I, I do love that we, you know, he got the plastic, like, you know, you held up that CED before, mm-hmm. but he got like, you know, this, pla- the, the, the plastic, like if you look, I mean, stuff right. the tabs up top. Yeah. The mm-hmm. detail on this is great. It, it, it's know, very good stuff. It is um, good. I guess one one last thing that I sure. want to touch on. Uh, you're on Boutique Talk. Do you have a favorite boutique label to collect? Ooh, Out of all of the others, I, I love collecting all of them. All right. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna be honest. Like, listen, I love all the boutique labels. I do, but um, my, I have two. My two favorites are Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow, without question. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is the, the the packaging on that vinegar syndrome, like the oh roadhouse and the showgirls. Yes. It's just right. I, I almost feel bad. I, I don't get too nuts with packaging on our stuff. I mean, it looks cool and everything, but in terms of, I try to keep the cost down. So if I put a title like 
I don't know, Hail Caesar out, I can do it for $20. You know what I mean? The packaging right, right. is cheaper. You know, it's okay. As long as it looks cool and it's fun to look at and everything, but like those arrow boxes that are in those thick, heavy slip boxes with yeah. the, the true romance with the, uh, the steel book uh, inside. Steel book and the oh, book yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it just feels so quality, doesn't it? it it's, it's great. It really is. I mean, I'm starting to run out of space. So like the beefy boxes, I only get movies that I absolutely love, but for vinegar syndrome, I just started collecting them last year and I will buy movies that are absolute garbage, but the packaging is so beautiful that I really keep the is. anyway. I mean, so yeah. So for boutique labels, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, lo I love, I love the, what vinegar syndrome does and I love mm -hmm. what arrow does. I mean, like, you know, I don't try to, well, I, I don't even consider the stuff that we do is even competing with what they do. I mean, they're their own thing. They're so good at it. They're in their, you know, arrows up there with criterion and, you know, sure. uh, in terms of just quality and I, God bless them, you know, and I love, you know, and then I look at things like, um, like blue underground packaging's awesome too, but mm -hmm. they're trans like the blue underground 4k transfers. They're I great. Mean, I feel I, like they don't I, get talked about enough. They really don't. I mean, yeah. my God, they if i told you how much money they spend and how much time they spend you wouldn't you wouldn't believe me but hmm. it, maybe you would believe me because it's all there when you look at their when they put out when you buy a 4k of a blue underground title you can rest assured you're getting the absolute best right do you think um do you think that's why they only came out i think they only came out with like two or three titles last year I blue do. underground yeah it's just because they spend because so much time I making it that, the best possible I don't think release it's the expense i think yeah. it's not just the expense so much as uh i i think the uh it's either bill or greg whoever's doing it there is pouring over every last pixel and frame on that screen to make sure it's perfect sure. i do believe that and oh, they will not sell they do, will not sell any wine before it's time they do <laughs> if it takes that long to get it right then right. you will have to wait until they get it right but yep. if, if you're going to spend our, your hard-earned money on one of their titles mm -hmm. you can like i said you can sleep well now knowing that you're getting something good yeah, I have not. I've never been disappointed with the blue one. Neither have I. Absolutely it's right. Like, look at it. It's like wow. Yes, very good. Yeah, I. Arrow's great. Uh, what what boutique label do you think had the best year last year? My my vote would probably be for Arrow, just with the amount of sheer like heavy hitter titles that they had put out. Probably Arrow. Yeah, they did Arrow. such a good I mean, job. But, but uh, I do love I do love me some Shop Factory too, though, because like. Mm -hmm. What did I buy from them? I got the like that creep show big big box of creep show and it had a poster and all mm -hmm. that stuff in there. I bought the Bill and Ted thing a few years back and had a George Carlin doll in it. Like, you know, <laughs> they do some pretty good it's tough for me to you know, they're like all my child they're all children. I don't know. I don't want to play favorites with them. Like every you could name every boutique label and I could say tell you something I love about it, each one of them. I, I, I feel the same way. The the and I, I feel like I didn't realize what a boutique label was until i started like really looking into scream factory was the first one that i started really like deep diving into yeah and that was probably like 2017 when i started really getting into horror movies do you i know you've been collecting forever do you remember like seeing like oh hey this isn't a regular studio release title this is so something a little bit different do you remember seeing your first boutique title and what that was or maybe not even what that was but just... i'm trying to think like um yes i do well, first of all, 
you know, I worked at Anchor Bay. Right. And I knew who Anchor Bay was because they were sort of like an early boutique label. In the DVD before, days? Absolutely. Like, and the VHS days even in the 90s. Um, uh, early Anchor Bay was, they, they used to call them the criterion of cult back hmm. when, you know, in the day. What happened with Anchor Bay was, was Anchor Bay had, you know, uh, they had dreams of becoming another Miramax. So, you know, when Overture Pictures came in, and then, of course, uh, the Weinsteins came in uh, and, you know, changed what they did. Mm -hmm. um, but before Anchor Bay, uh, uh, the two boutique labels for me, uh, without question, is Criterion. Right. They've been one of the, what with mm -hmm. the, back in the Laserdisc days, you know, it's Criterion that taught me what widescreen was and um, Elite Entertainment. I've never even heard of that one. You got to look them up. They hmm. have, a, I have a few discs. They, they were in the Laserdisc days. They, I think they did the first releases of maybe Evil Dead, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the Laserdisc days uh, and the early DVD days did some great releases. Right. But they were like the early boutique labels for me. I'm definitely going to look that up. But one, one of like my holy grail pieces that I want to have for the collection are from Anchor Bay, those Necronomicon books that they came out with, oh, the Book of the I Dead. Got, I have an unopened... I oh my god! Like I, I want one. I, I've seen a couple in the wild, but they're so weathered. Like they they look yeah, they, terrible. Uh, the they material, decompose like crazy. The material they used to make it breaks down. Yeah, but I did just buy because Amazon had it for fifty bucks that mm -hmm. that Evil Dead uh, box set. That yeah, four Ks. Did you buy that? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I bought that too. I, I love Evil Dead is one of my favorite franchises. I yeah. literally paid. I have I have Evil Dead one and two on 4K already, and I own the entire Evil Ash versus Evil Dead series. So mm -hmm. I didn't need that box, but I literally right. bought it because I wanted the box. The artwork looks amazing on it. Artwork looks amazing. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, very good. I, I think I think I touched upon everything that I wanted to. No, but it's I, a lot of fun, man. I feel like I could have you on again and we could talk for another 90 minutes Anytime. and not touch upon anything that we've already talked about. I mean, this is, this is just what I do. It's what I love to do. I don't mind talking about it at all. I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe next time I'll walk, we can walk, I'll give you a tour of the basement. We can walk around and show you all that. That would be great. I, I, I would absolutely that, uh, love I've that. collected over the years. That, that sounds phenomenal. And I don't, I, I get a feeling that a lot of people, the majority of the people in, in the industry, are, it's just kind of like a job. But but for you, you have such a passion and it shows just like talking with you. I This was an absolute blast to have even a second of your time. Yeah, I mean, anybody that, listen, uh, I, I'm grateful to people that support the Rewind Collection and what we do. But you can rest assured, you can sleep well knowing that, you know, uh, somebody who loves collecting physical media is 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 behind all these that, that I'm trying to do my best with every one of these releases to make it, you know, not only pick the right movies to put out mm -hmm. uh, stuff that's either never been out before or completely out of print. Uh, and I'm trying to make the, the releases as cool as possible. You can just, you know, rest assured that there's somebody just like you here mm -hmm. doing this thing here. That's very cool. I, I, I can't wait to see what you have up your sleeve for this laser vision collection. Cause you have it, every single release has been great. Like I yeah, know we're, gonna, we're making a, there's going to be a new announcement. Uh, I haven't seen the artwork yet. I, I don't like to make announcements until the artwork's done, but right. hopefully in the next uh, week. Good. Good to know. And I, I know that you kind of skipped numbers. Ghoulies two will be in 4k at some point when that point is, I don't know, but yeah, at some uh, point it will be. 
Yes, uh, and I got some other really cool titles that we uh, picked up that I, I'm trying to get done. So, like, that's why, like, you'll notice, because I work sort of alone, is um, I'll announce, like, two, I'll announce two titles, and maybe a week later I'll announce a third title, and then I go quiet everywhere, you know, I don't post anything or whatever, and mm -hmm. then I get a couple more done, and I go active again, I start making announcements again, and I get those done, I get those out, and then I go back to making work, so... I try to get as many done as I can uh, as possible. The one thing I'm proud of is we don't inundate. I know collectors feel compelled to buy, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't, we don't inundate the collector with a ton of product. So, you know, do I think we put out maybe, you know, we average one a month, you know, if you count mm -hmm. the marquee collection, maybe one and a half, two titles a month. Sure. But we don't go nuts. We keep it simple. And, just looking at all of them on a shelf looks very good. Like that, that's, that, that's key to me. I made a whole boutique wall cause I love the way it looks. All of the MVD rewind collection just look great right next to each other. It, it does. It's, it's, it's I just stuff. lined up my, um, the Vestron video collection too, that, which it, it looks very good. I hope they, don't, right. uh, uh, I, I hope they keep that going. You know, I do too. Uh, I was very, uh, I don't take full credit for that one, of course, but I'm very proud of my contribution to that. I did. I used to be, if you followed the Vestron Video Collector series, I was their, the the Facebook page and all the posts. That was me doing all of that. Oh, nice. It, people didn't know. And at one point it overlapped where I was doing all the, the, the Vestron page stuff and the rewind stuff, the early rewind stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where I said I, I couldn't do both anymore. I put a big post up on the on the Vestron page, basically admitting, "Hey, this is Eric from Rewind." I'm, I think I gave my I think my name was Owen on that page. I'm like, I'm Owen. Uh, I'm going to hand this page over to Lionsgate, and I'm going to focus over here now. So, I, I, I think it's cool that you just had a little bit of whatever whatever experience you had in Vestron video, it's very cool to, cause like I said, you've been collecting forever. You knew what Vestron video was like in the VHS days and everything. I knew what it was. I knew what it was early on. Um, there was again, through a proxy, there was pushback of like, why would we use the Vestron name? No one, they, they, I, I think I was told that they, I was told that my friend was told that no one's going to care about that. And mm. I said, how wrong. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, how wrong that is. I'm like, I promise you, if you use Vestron, you will immediately mm -hmm. have uh, love from the collector's market. They're going to know exactly what it is that you're doing. That's like advertising 101. What's old is new again. Just give it time. And yeah, you yeah. can, yeah. yeah. So and, I, I know, could go into that for a long time too. But. Yeah. And it was, it was fun. The, I, I, I would, I was sent like entire lists of the Lionsgate stuff. And it was fun to, you know, I sort of ranked, I saved all my spreadsheets. I created spreadsheets for them. I ranked everything. I'm like, this is what I let told them what if it was me, this is what I would be putting out. Mm -hmm. And they did most of the stuff that I nice. uh, had suggested is what they've done. It, for, in the beginning, they didn't want to deviate. It looked like they didn't want to deviate for anything but horror. I'm like, you know, I was trying to, I took a, a lot of the things that Vestron didn't do is what I, I sort of applied to the rewind collection. So mm -hmm. Vestron only focused on horror. I'm like, no, we're, I, I think it should be more than horror. It's about just, you know, Vestron wasn't just horror back in the 80s. They had all kinds of movies. And right. I wanted the Rewind collection to reflect that. I wanted the Vestron package, packaging to look uh, distressed, like used videotapes. 
they didn't want to do that. So that that came over to you brought that onto yours. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no, it's very cool. And when you tell me like, yeah, Vestron video and Rewind collection, I see a lot more similarities when I compare the two. At the most, put uh take a rewind title with the spine and the number and put it next to a Vestron title. Oh, sure. The, the mm -hmm. number font and everything lines right up. <laughs> Well, so, very cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, listen, I'm so happy. Uh, the I don't have a ton of followers on social media, but I, I'm so happy to interact with mm -hmm. the customers and the collectors and just be a part of this community. Uh, it just, even when I'm sitting, sometimes there'll be nights where I'm, you know, my family's out or whatever, I'm so alone. I can pop on TikTok or, or social media and just, you know, immediately just have fun conversations with people and stuff. It's great, man. Right. There, there, there's a lot of, I post all my stuff to the YouTubes, Instagrams, TikToks, yeah. Facebooks, and every, every single one has its own tight knit community. So I, really I love just going in there. Like right now we're on YouTube. It's great. Um, on every episode, I like to um, hint at who my next guest is going to be and just kind of get them prepared if we're going to talk about a movie or something. And the next guest that I'm going to have on next week is uh, a, a a, a biggish guy in the physical media space on YouTube. Ooh. I'm having Ken for mid-level media. And we're going to talk about Arrow Video and Brain Damage is the movie he wanted to talk about. Ah, I've nice. never seen it, so I, I can't wait to watch it. The only thing I know about it is that it's kind of in the Basket Case universe, and I love Basket Case. It is good. It is very good. You need to look, but check out the, I used to have that on Betamax, which I got rid of. It's such a, the original packaging is great for that. That's a good one. I, I can't I can't wait to watch it. It, it. It's gonna be a blast for sure. Maybe what we should do is if you're gonna watch it, we should just jump on StreamYard and we'll cook the we'll set the cameras up. We watch it at the same time and see like we can see your reaction to it. I, I know that there are uh there are YouTubers that do like commentaries almost. I I, I need to figure out how to get into that space because I, I watch a lot of movies all the time anyway. I might as well just like throw my two cents out while I'm watching it. I'll That'd keep that in mind because uh, we uh, occasionally, the, you know, we, we've uh, we, we've there's one guy that we work with that I love. Uh, he Fitzgerald Midnight has overseen some yeah. of our some commentary, so uh, I'll absolutely keep you in mind. Yeah, have you it, both? It, I'll have you both do one. That would be phenomenal. If one of my dreams would be to have any piece of myself on a special feature on physical yeah. media, I would I would absolutely lose my mind. That's why I'm stoked. I'm on because i didn't make any new bonus features for joysticks although you know but but we have all the old bonus features but there's a short that i start in called uh, coin slots it's sort of a parody of joysticks if you could sure. be a parody of joysticks and that is on the bonus features of joysticks i am super proud of that it's really cool <laughs> this, this filmmaker named newt wallen uh, uh wrote and directed it uh and also stars in it and it's fun but i get the uh, that was the one time i'm actually on the commentary and i'm on the bonus features i normally don't like to insert myself that much into it but uh joysticks holds this very special place in my heart of right. a movie from my youth uh, even though i know it's cheese and stupid but i love it no and honestly like when you listen to commentaries and stuff you want to make sure that the person that's on there has a passion for this stuff yeah i do i do yeah so no, it, that was, it, but I'll keep. I'll definitely keep that in mind. So that, 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 that's I, Thank you very much, and thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. This has been episode number seventeen of Boutique Talk, and until next time.
خلصيه 